When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am Patrick Lyons, and on today's show, a minor league Monday, as it is each and every start to your week, we've got our prospects of the week, plenty of news about them. And we're also going to welcome in our buddy Derek Montilla from PHNX Diamondbacks to talk about what's going on down in Arizona. If you haven't kept track, it's been quite literally a historic meltdown for the Diamondbacks. Can they figure out some things? Did they do enough at the MLB trade deadline? Is there a shakeup of their roster coming here with three games in Denver starting today? We'll get to all of that and uh, and even more beyond that. But of course, we'll start off with our prospects uh, of the week. And I, I should maybe apologize for jinxing Albuquerque because Last week, we talked about the fact that they have a chance to make the postseason uh, as the second-best team uh, in their division in the PCL because the Oklahoma City Dodgers are going to go wire-to-wire when the first half, when the second half. And since then, the Isotopes struggled. They uh, actually had their second six-game losing streak of the season. They actually were swept for only the second time in club's history uh, for six games. So they went to Round Rock, and they came away. Uh, with without a, a win. It's only the ninth time in PCL history that a club has been swept in a six-game format since they went to that going back to, uh, to 2021. So uh, they become the third team to have that happen to them. So their losing streak is now up to eight games for them. But fear not, there's definitely some good news. I don't know if the good news is going to extend to Charlie Blackman continuing uh, to play with the Isotopes. Still yet to play a game in Albuquerque. They're back home again, starting on Tuesday. We probably should get word today. Charlie looked good. You know, he had three hits, I want to say, in 10 at-bats down uh, with the Isotopes in Round Rock, Texas. So should will he get activated on Monday? Uh, my guess is that he will. So unfortunately, still will not play a game uh, as an Isotope down there in uh, Albuquerque. Wearing the number 21, too, by the way, for anyone that didn't notice. Uh, interesting little choice there for him down with the isotopes, but the triple a player of the week is a gentleman that we talked about on Sunday's show. We've talked about him all season long. Plenty. It's catcher first baseman, Hunter Goodman gets the promotion to triple a immediately thrown into that starting lineup, had a two homer game on Sunday, four home runs for the week in his first week with the isotopes, 13 RBI batted 350. It also added two doubles. He is a player that you very well should prepare yourself to see at some point in the final month of the season. If not, maybe by the end of the month when Atlanta comes to town, there's a chance of, of that happening. The University of Memphis catcher first base DH type might not have a true position, uh, but the Rockies right now don't have a true first baseman that you can say can slug and also pick it. Montero can slug. Tolia can pick it, but are you getting all of that in one player? Hunter Goodman maybe could be that guy. Honorable mentions for the other isotopes who are doing it this week at the plate. Witten Bernard, 350, double homer stolen base. 
Coco Montez, similar line, 300 double homer, three RBI for him. And Sean Bouchard, still on rehab, uh, only went three for 16, but did add two RBI and a couple more walks than strikeouts, five to four to be exact. Honorable mention to Noah Davis, five and two-thirds innings pitch of scoreless ball. In fact, no hit ball in his uh, first start back from the IL. Missed about a month to ever rehab start last week, but in his first official start back in AAA, five and two-thirds, no hit innings. He did walk four. That's okay. Struck out five. You like that he was so unhittable to the Round Rock Express. Good news for him. Dugan Darnell doing it again. Four scoreless frames out of the bullpen. And Victor Vodnik also two scoreless appearances. He's another one of those players you should expect to see at some point in these final seven weeks of the season. At double A, left-handed starter Joe Rock. We've talked plenty this season about the need for depth for the Rockies. And the Rockies themselves have talked about it. That was the priority at the trade deadline was to go ahead and bolster their starting pitching depth or even relief core as well. They did that, um, and they've also gotten contributions from Joe Rock after a bumpy first half. He had six innings pitched, only gave up two runs, walked one, struck out nine. Great to see from the lanky Yard Goats starter. Andrew Cazada did a nice job in the rotation. Case Williams, two starts this week. Really positive overall for the two starts. Stephen Jones. He's been very good since being demoted back down from AAA. He had three games this week, four scoreless innings with nine strikeouts and another scoreless week from Austin Kitchen. Jeff Dooley on Friday's show. Go back and listen to that. You can learn a little bit more about what's going on in the world for the Hartford Yard Goats. They had a big event over this past weekend. They got the Savannah Bananas playing there today they're they're very amped up about that rightfully so but duly pointing out that there are now six first round picks with the hartford yard goats right now one of those guys sterling thompson promoted home run in his first game on friday a 436 foot blast for him a guy who was just drafted last year working his way up through the system pretty quickly you'd like to see that you'd like to see 40 man roster player warming Bernabelle going eight for 26 hit 308 with three RBI drew Romo five for 15 three doubles three RBI two walks to only two strikeouts again putting the ball in play not missing with the bat drawing his walks when he needs to and Jordan Beck three stolen bases from him okay okay you like to see that another pitcher doing big things in high A for Spokane. Lefty Carson Palmquist, another player from that 2022 MLB draft class. Six innings pitched, three hits, one walk, gave up a run, 10, count them, 10 strikeouts for Palmquist, a guy with a lot of comparability to a Mr. Kyle Freeland. They look a lot alike on the bump. Palmquist got the edge for the player of the week at high A over Mason Albright, who did a very nice job. One of those players brought over in the Crone and Gritchick deal from the Angels. Five innings pitched, five hits, gave up four runs, but none of them were earned. Walked one, struck out nine. Nice job. Tip of the cap to Jared Candy and Mason Green also with really solid starts. On the offensive front for Spokane, Benny Montgomery, 292, double homer, three RBI, two stolen bases. Robbie Martin getting it going with two doubles. Two stolen bases, a 438 week at the plate for him. And catcher Brian Cajada and Parker Kelly, an undrafted free agent following the 2022 draft, 
having a really nice week. So a uh, nice job for Parker Kelly there. Then at low A, what you really like to see so many exciting players at Fresno. Got to make sure we, we have Steven Rice on the play-by-play announcer for the Fresno Grizzlies, but so many exciting players. And when you, when Steven talks about them, they're even more exciting and rightfully so he sees them every day and knows how good they are. He saw them last year when they were uh, amongst the best teams. They were the best team record wise in the California league, but Diane George, I can't wait to talk to uh, Steven about Diane George because he's the low a player prospect of the week hit 500 at the plate, 10 for 20, Double, four RBI, two walks to only two strikeouts. Big international shortstop signing for the Rockies. He's now their number seven prospect in the organization, according to MLB Pipeline. So Diane George is a name you definitely are going to hear a lot more about and a name you should do some more research, get into and say, hey, I need to get hyped about this guy because he's been a big time prospect since the Rockies signed them. Honorable mention to Brian Betancourt, Jesus Bugarin, and Jake Snyder at the play on the pitching side. Michael Prosecchi, again, this is a guy ready to move up, uh, part of last year's draft class, ready for high A, in my opinion. Six innings pitch, only gave up two runs. Walk two, seven strikeouts. And Zach Agnos, he was two for two in save opportunities. Well, you definitely can make sure you save any event you go to by bringing a bottle of Breckenridge Bourbon, the official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey. It's a high rye mash, American-style whiskey. Classy, great-looking bottle, by the way. It's brewed right here, of course, in Colorado. But you can get it anywhere. All 50 states have it. That's why their hashtag is Apres Anywhere. Founded in 2008, Breckenridge Distillery is literally the world's highest distillery and the Breckenridge bourbon is one of the highest awarded craft bourbons in the U.S. We could run through the list, but it is countless. Top visitor attractions by Whiskey Magazine. If you're going up to Breckenridge, if you're looking to cool down, it's been very nice here in Colorado over the last week. It's going to heat up. It's probably going to be in the 90s over the next week. But if you want to go for a drive, grab a nice bite to eat, get some bourbon right from the distillery in Breckenridge. Check out Breckenridge Distillery. Their products, again, are available in all 50 states. Shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits. And if you're looking to turn $1 into $200, you can do that with Bet365. You turn $1 into $200 of bonus bets. When you join Bet365, you download the app, you deposit $10, and you you claim $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for $1. Download the Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. Because Bet365, look, they pioneered live in-game betting. They offered the widest range uh, and markets available for live in-game betting. 80 million users worldwide. And they are a proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. In fact, they give you all kinds of wonderful boosts for three-leg parlays. So much more than that. In fact, they've got the Bet365 early baseball payout offer where if your team is up by five runs or more, Done. You, you've you won. You don't have to wait for your bullpen to close out those final six or nine outs, whatever it may be. You win when they go up by five runs or more. Parlay and same game parlay selections will be marked as winners. So download the app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Had a great time catching up with Derek Montia of PHNX Diamondbacks. Here's what he had to say 
about what's going on down in the desert with the snakes. From PHNX Diamondbacks, my main man, Mr. Purple himself, Derek Montillo. What's up, buddy? We're taking the purple back, you guys. You can't stop us. After this weekend, we we are taking it back. Those throwbacks do look nice. It was crazy oh, that they, were great. they wore them on the same day that the Marlins were wearing throwbacks and the Rays were wearing circa 98 throwbacks. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's just such a, it's not even, it's not even like a, there's a divide amongst the fan base. It's like a divide amongst the fan base with the team and ownership, right? Like everybody everybody wants them to go back to purple. Like when you run one of those polls, you'll get probably a 98% to 2%, you know, with a 2% margin of, of error, uh, you know, in favor of going back to those jerseys. I think there's just, there's a lot of nostalgia to it. There's a lot of memories tied to it for a team that hasn't been around very long, as you guys can kind of understand. I think the biggest thing though, is, is that like this weekend being at the ballpark uh, and seeing the, all the, the 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 colors back it's just a good look it's just a sexy look it's just this purple and copper and teal and i mean it just it just goes well together it's a great representation of arizona and uh you know I, i'm i'm a big fan of them going back to that hopefully that's something that they do soon yeah y'all got forty one thousand on on saturday there's even a takeover too by you guys at phnx and phnx right. which was great and yeah i, I think you go back and the fans say well 2001 man that went to the they won the world series they they won it all and so those jerseys are iconic you want to wear uh that purple same thing with the rockies granted they've kept the same scheme all throughout their existence uh yeah. which is which is pretty great to, to have the the purple pinstripes but in 2007 when they did go to the world series they were wearing the black vests those the are black not vests back. so yeah. fans want the yeah. black vests back here in colorado the vests were a good look because they were wearing like I think the undershirts they were wearing were very uh like stretchy. So yeah. unlike unlike how baggy Randy Johnson used to look in the vest with the big baggy baggy sleeves, uh our boys were looking ripped this weekend in these like skid tight purple undershirts and stuff. So it was it it almost matched, you know, when the Cincinnati Reds came out with just the vests and no undershirt on, which was a bold look. A bold look that not many could pull off, but uh, that that was that was it was a very good part of it. The the whole weekend was just great here in town. The Diamondbacks needed a win; they needed something to pick them up. And man, they they really they really turned things around here against the Padres in the last two days. Yeah, tell me about this uh, unfortunately uh, historic collapse. Right, uh, uh, listening yeah. to the PHNX Diamondbacks podcast as I I, I love to do to find out what's going on uh, in the Southwest there and the, the NL West that late 1800, like literally in the 1800s, the team has never gone 16 games above 500 down to two games under 500. I'm sorry. You have to relive this here in this moment, but you know, that's fine. Let's relive it. Let's relive, let's relive the terrible times. I got a beer. I'm ready to do it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. There's a nine game losing streak you guys had going, but won the, yeah. the last two games on, on Saturday and Sunday to get back to 500 Coming into Colorado, we can preview the series just a little bit, but is there anything that you can kind of put your finger on as to why this is really crumbled to this degree? I, you know, there are a lot of things that you could look at. I, I don't know. After covering this team for as long as I've covered them, it's just odd the way that the teams under 
Tori Lavallo over the last couple of years have had these stretches. It's like every every uh, incarnation, every year that feels like they have a very long losing streak. And part of the losing streak is that nobody uh, can seem to get a hit at times. Nobody can, you know, really generate that offense. And that's kind of what they were going through there on that stretch. I mean, up until this weekend, they had won seven games dating back to July 1st. That's how bad things have gotten for this team. I, I mean, you talked about the historic meltdown. I mean, from going uh, from 16 games over 500 to one game under in the span of 31 days, actually, they ended up going two games under in the span of 32 games, uh, is a meltdown that has not been achieved since 1893 when the Brooklyn Grooms did it. Of course, you're very familiar with the Brooklyn Grooms. Uh, and then the other teams to do it historically that bad were the 1885 Providence Grays and the 1886 Louisville Colonels. So much like many parts of the country, we were living in old times, it seemed like there for a minute with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and I don't really have an answer. Uh, we, we we said at the beginning of the season that this team was never perfect. They, they always had something that was flawed, something that you could say they could have done better on. But for the most part, they would just get uh, an exponential performance from either pitching or the offense or somebody would just kind of step up. And this team found a way to win games uh, that at times they had no business winning. And now we're kind of on the flip side where uh, throughout this kind of collapse throughout their losing streak, they actually got fairly decent starting pitching. It was mostly just the lack of offense mixed with the bullpen peppering and just enough bad performances to turn, you know, close games into, into not so close games or even, you know, games where they were up into losses. Uh, but it, it really, it mostly came down just to a, a serious lack of offense. And, and one of those guys who I, I think has slumped just a little bit and he shot out like a cannon and then was quite a darling here in MLB. And I think still is that being Corbin Carroll, you know, got to start the all-star yeah. game back in his hometown of, of Seattle, I think he's been struggling a little bit, and I think it has something to do with the shoulder too, right? Like he's he's okay to play, but he might not really be a hundred percent. But he's going out there each and every day as best he can. There, there's talk of that. Honestly, with how bad the Diamondbacks got, I think if Corbin Carroll was injured, they would have just sat him. Uh, they're not going to risk the future of this team uh, being injured. It doesn't mean that that injury didn't impact him, right? There was talk about you know, part of the reason why he uh, basically suffered that injury scare was due to kind of like a one-handed follow-through that he does at times and finds success with it. I think I think he hit a triple today with that one-handed follow-through. But uh, at times, I think that there is maybe just that slight intrepidation on his part about that injury, about maybe trying to keep two hands on the bat through the follow-through instead of just kind of letting it fly, you know. Corbin will be the first one to tell you that once you start thinking up there at the plate, you're, you're dead. You're, you're done for, you know, you can't think at the plate. So if it's something for him to think about, I think you could attribute it a little bit to that. Uh, also, you know, he's a rookie and, and you know how rookies are. It's the reason why so few of guys that are like selected to win rookie of the year before the year starts uh, get, come through with it. Right. It's because it's hard to predict uh, who's going to regress, who's going to step up, who's going to all of a sudden, you know, be able to play consistently at a major league level. I feel like Corbin has has done that, but 
you know, like, like all rookies, he has gone through a slump and he'll go through more slumps. Most likely. I don't even know if necessarily he's out of this one, but we have seen him playing better lately. And uh, hopefully, you know, the key is just seeing him get on base and, and use his speed to kind of create that chaos that the diamondbacks were known for earlier in the season. Leaving, he's leaving room for Ezekiel Tovar to get into the conversation. I don't like. I just stop it. I don't like for it. NL, I, Ellie De La Cruz is bringing it in, in, down his neck. There's a lot of competition. Uh, James Outman, James Outman, all of a sudden is one of the best. You know, has one of the best like on base percentages I think in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, there, there's there. It's not going to be easy uh, for no. for him to get to the Rookie of the Year. But you know, Ellie De La Cruz, he's another guy that was tremendously hot at one point and then cooled off because baseball that's what that's what baseball does to you it is yeah i know uh on sunday ahead of sunday's game at least uh gm mike hazen kind of shaking up the roster like do you think this is this is something that's going to benefit them a little bit uh carson kelly designated for uh for assignment the last of the players paul goldschmidt of course they did get a, a draft pick and so dominic fletcher still around but ultimately dominic fletcher is is it you know just kind of shaking up the roster? Is is that going to possibly help do something for this team to keep them in the wild card hunt? Uh, I think so. I think that really what it's going to be is the return of Gabriel Moreno and his bat to the lineup. They haven't really gotten much out of the catcher position, but Jose Herrera has been better than Carson Kelly behind the plate. Uh, and Carson has just struggled. He struggled at the dish. He struggled behind the plate. Um, and it's unfortunate because he is uh, beloved, I would say, in the clubhouse. He is a locker room leader for this team. He's been around for a while. And, um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that this is the direction that the Diamondbacks had to go. But what I what I feel like is this is a decision much like when they parted ways with Madison Bumgarner. As difficult as it is, it is a decision that is made to make the team better. And Jose Herrera deserves to be here over Carson Kelly. Gabriel Moreno proved today he in, in his return, uh, he helped the Diamondbacks win this baseball game. So I just feel like uh, the Diamondbacks are doing everything they can to win and, and move this team forward without jeopardizing the future. If they were looking at their future plans and thought that Carson Kelly might not be a part of those plans, then you know keeping him on the roster would have required them to make some other difficult roster decisions. So there, you know, I th I think it comes down to the the lack of moves. Sometimes you're kind of backed into the corner as far as moves go, and I think it's about you know the future plan. Gabriel Moreno is absolutely part of the core of this Diamondbacks team going forward looking at what they were able to do with that trade with Dal trading Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays for Gabby and Lourdes Gurriel. It's hard to argue that the Diamondbacks didn't, you know, win that trade right now, pretty, pretty, you know, handedly. And you also have the fact that Moreno is going to be a part of this franchise uh, for, you know, quite a, hopefully, you know, quite some time going forward. Yeah, there, uh, there's definitely some room. James Outman has, has made uh, gained some ground on Corbin Carroll as far as the NL Rookie of the Year award race. Matt McClain, a guy who debuted in Colorado, is also doing fairly well, especially if you look at Fangraph's version of war. Patrick Bailey, been really good for the, for the Giants in limited action, but he's a catcher. So is Francisco Alvarez. So there'll be uh, some interesting conversations. I think it's still Corbin Carroll's 
award to to lose here in general but uh there's there's some room there's some uh potential possibility for somebody else to sneak in there or at least the battle for second and third will be incredibly interesting and if you're looking for a way to get something interesting to to spice up your marijuana well kind love has got the solution for you look uh, we're excited to to make Kind Love, our official partner of DNVR, uh, and support another local brand here in Denver. It's amazing. We love the Kind Love cannabis, and we always get consistent, great experience when we're high on our Kind Love, of course. Quality, integrity, consistency, variety, and safety is what they're all about. They're one of the first dispensaries in Colorado, established back in 2010, known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. And In fact, they recently launched a game-changing new product in the industry called the TurboCore. TurboCore is a 100 milligram stick that looks exactly like a toothpick. Uh, it's full spectrum cannabis concentrate designed with a pointed tip so you can easily slide it into any joint blunt or cigarette to instantly infuse it. I know some people who've actually just crushed it up and put it in a bowl. That works too. It's also vegan, natural, with no chemical processing whatsoever. Turbo core, turbo joints, kind love flower. They're sold in more than 100 stores around the states. Visit one of their stores at Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR and receive the DNVR exclusive discount for 25% of all kind love flower pre-rolls and their turbo joint line. Visit the website at kindlove.com for their extensive menu and online ordering and get this code dnvr it now works for deliveries as well you'll feel very cool you'll feel like you're wearing shades even without the shades but if you do want to be the kind of cool that's wearing shades indoors out of doors you name it you got to get the shady rays you buy one you get one free when you use promo code dnvr premium polarized shades from the independent sunglass company rated five stars by over 200,000 people. I think they're they're approaching a quarter of a million now at this point. And that's probably because they've got an amazing lost and broken replacement policy. So if you lose or you break your shady rays, they're going to go ahead and replace it for you. It's really that simple. If for some reason you actually don't like them, you can exchange your pair or return them free within 30 days. So it's a win-win all around, but you're going to look great in them. You can even test them out yourself if you want. If you're not sure, if something's going to look good on your face, you can actually go in person at the Park Meadows Mall, of course. Go there, and uh, if you get two or more pairs, you're going to get 50% off those bad boys. It's a great deal. Try for yourself, again, the shades that people love. Susie and I can't say enough about our wonderful Shady Rays. Derek, I think he's got a couple more things. I know I do, particularly, that uh, we got to talk about here ahead of the three-game set with the Arizona Diamondbacks. A lot to to digest with that too, because as you said, Guriel, you know, was was an all star this year. So ha- has there been? I, w- I don't want to do want to talk about Madison Bumgarner. I'm glad you brought him up. Uh, people forget that he was a member of this team uh, to start this season. season. This season, yeah, it's hard to remember <laughs> that that was this year. 2023. Has there been any? Uh, I don't know if there's been conversations necessarily between the team and Guriel, but they want this guy to come back, right? I mean, it's not going to give any kind of discount since he's been around for one year or is is he just you know hey you served for a good purpose for, for us this year if the price is right you bring him back or is there still a lot of hope that all of those young outfielders um outside of corbin carroll i know a lot of them have struggled is is there probably going to be a tendency to say hey eh, you know what we'll we'll figure it out with some cheaper options than bringing back Uriel jr I, I think that's what it comes down to, honestly. Like, Guriel Jr. was on fire there for a period of time when I dyed my hair like his and gave him superpowers. <laughs> but uh, once I cut it, uh, those powers went away. And then, you know, 
he kind of became an average baseball player. So I, I feel like the move to bring Guriel over was to add depth to the outfield. And I think if this team really, if this front office, I should say, really believes in this team, uh, considering the moves they made at the deadline and and kind of how they are like kind of maturing a little bit before uh, ahead of schedule, then I feel like they could potentially upgrade uh, at, at outfield in the off season uh, and, and move on from Guriel. I don't really feel like uh, he's a necessary part of the puzzle going forward, but he's been a very pleasant surprise for, for this organization. I mean, he was an all-star for this team and he was honestly a, a, a nice replacement for Dalton Varsho. I mean, he's not great defensively and uh, he struggled at the dish there for a considerable amount of time while Honestly, the whole team struggled throughout that same you know period of time as well. So he wasn't the only one. Uh, I just think that for this this team, it's probably fairly easy for them to move on from Guriel. And I think Guriel can use the fact that he was an All Star this year to probably get a bigger contract than the Diamondbacks are willing to offer him. So it, it might be one of those things where it's beneficial for both parties to move on. If there is one thing that the Diamondbacks are stacked at, it's outfielders when it comes to guys that they have. Uh, on their roster, when it comes to guys that they have in the minor league system, they they have a lot of outfielders. So, I mean, they don't necessarily need to go out and replace Guriel, but, you know, again, it's one of those situations where they, they, I think they they like the fact that he brought some some experience to this team and, you know, has been doing a great job for this team. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I, I think back when Bumgarner was designated for assignment, waived released however you want to put it it the numbers suggested hey no that that this kind of does make sense but considering how much they were paying him and the fact that a lot of people nationally might have looked at the diamondbacks roster and say hey do you really have better options and um i don't think you know there were some better options necessarily uh at the back end of the rotation than a guy with the pedigree and resume of a madison bumgarner but and and I want oh, you can speak to this probably a lot better than I can. It was more about probably the clubhouse and and getting a a vibe maybe a little bit differently and say, hey, no. you know what? We're actually uh, even even if we're going to break even on the field uh, with the pitching performances, we're going to actually gain a lot more by this clubhouse really starting to develop on its own and having a different set of leadership kind of paving the way for for the organization. You have a guy like Bum in your locker room because of the experience that he brings, because of how many playoffs he's appeared in, because of what he can offer to your younger players. And when, you know, his his attitude or just his general philosophy in life makes him a bit standoffish that people don't really feel comfortable approaching him. And I don't really know this. I, this is honestly, this part is me speculating because I just don't. I, I mean, I'd see him talking to people. It's not like he didn't talk to people. It's not like I didn't see him smiling and laughing and having a good time with his teammates. He's not a monster, but he just seems like the kind of guy that isn't super approachable for younger guys. Zach Granke seemed like that to me as well, but I heard quite the contrary at times. Zach Granke, I think, just didn't like media, you know, much like Madison Bumgarner. But so it's like he would never let us see him like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, talking to a young player or whatever around us, uh, much like Mad Bum. Now, you know, it wasn't something we saw, but I think the other side to it is, is that the Diamondbacks brought in pitching coach Brent Strom 
because Brent Strom is the most respected pitching coach in all of Major League Baseball, arguably. And to bring in someone like Strom is one of the few people you could have hired that Mad Bum would respect, that someone like Madison Bumgarner would actually listen to and be coached by because he's not older than him and he doesn't have as much experience in life as this man. I mean, uh, we to this day, one of his his favorite jokes is to tell you that we were this close to it being Brent Strom surgery instead of Tommy John surgery, because he was the second man to have it. And if we did, we would get to tell everybody that every time a pitcher had it, that he had BS surgery. Right. Um, and that's, he loves that joke, but <laughs> I did not um, know that. Yeah. Strom is the second person to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, Strom talked about Brandon fought making changes at the plate about switching sides of the, uh, uh, of the, di of the rubber that he pitched from and Fott's had a considerable amount of success at a major league level with those changes. He talked about how Fott accepted those changes and that coaching and that he understood what, what Strom was trying to teach him. Then Strom brought up, uh, or basically threw in like an unlike mad bum kind of thing about, you know, being willing to change the side of the rubber that he was pitching from, or even, take coaching advice from Strom. And even in an earlier meeting or, uh, you know, press conference we had with him earlier this season, he brought up that, you know, he, he didn't want to get into it, but it sounded contentious. It sounded like he had a hard time coaching Madison Bumgarner. And I think that really at the end of the day is, is where organizations draw the line. You can be bad. You can go through your struggles. You can go through a, a slump. But if you're not willing to accept coaching and listen to coaching, especially when it's someone as revered and respected as Brent Strom, then there's a problem. And, uh, you know, I, I get that you want to stick to your old ways and everything, but, you know, the, the best pitchers in baseball have adapted over the years, and that's how they stayed uh, at the top of their game was by adapting and not just, you know, staying the same pitcher that they were. So I, I really think at the end of the day, that was the big problem with, with Mad Bub. It's, it's almost as if Brent Strom is Paul Heyman, and instead of sticking with Roman Reigns, he actually went with Jimmy and Jay and Solo and maybe even right. kept Sami Zayn around, perhaps. Yeah, right. to, use, to use a right. metaphor, I think we all know. Yeah, I, 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 this. this is a metaphor I'm very familiar with and I enjoy very much. Yeah, it would be very that. much like that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, know, yeah uh, because <laughs> Brent, Strom's, Brent Strom's the man. And I mean, honestly, like I feel... I, I feel like I don't even I haven't even scratched the surface on the kind of person he is yeah. because I feel like a lot of things I know about him come from the players kind of telling us these 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 things that don't even sound like they'd come from Brent Strom's mouth. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, for me personally, you know, that that explains a lot of what we saw with Mad Bum and his um, issues with locating and just everything he went through. And, you know, the fact that we didn't really see much of an improvement, it, it, it kind of. It, it all makes sense. I know Strom is is probably working right now behind the scenes with Ryan Nelson and whether or not he's possibly tipping pitches. He's a guy that might be scheduled yep. to to throw on Wednesday. Uh, Rockies have their their guys all set up. Chris Flexen, Ty Block, and Austin Gomber. Diamondbacks are not sure yet. Could be probably if you look at uh, how they've been setting up. Merrill Kelly, Slade, Sacconi, and Ryan Nelson. With Slade and Bryce Jarvis, those are two guys – Picked up out of college uh, in 2020. That was one of the reasons why I I had some issues with the 2020 draft uh, for the Rockies because they needed to get 
starting pitching, and all they got was Chris McMahon, uh, who unfortunately has been a little bit injured. But Diamondbacks did really nice to grab two, you know, Division One guys. Uh, I know Bryce Jarvis, one of those players, uh, getting the call up there uh, this uh, this past weekend. Two more young arms that you can really look at and say, hey, look, it kind of worked for the Rockies there in, in 2017, you know, when they had Kyle Freeland and Marquez and Antonio Senzatella and John Gray. They had all this homegrown young talent that came up and were able to learn how to pitch together. It worked out for back-to-back appearances in the postseason for the Rockies, and now the Diamondbacks kind of have that crew with Nelson and Fott and now Ciccone and Bryce Jarvis. those down at the front of the rotation as well. Diamondbacks fans are a bit frustrated because of the way that some of the, you know, starting pitchers coming up have worked out. In fact, just today, Ryan Nelson has now been sent down an option to Reno. So it looks like for the time being, the Diamondbacks are going to probably have Merrill Kelly going in game one. That would be my guess. In game two, you might, you guys might get back to back like bullpen games, which I don't even know how the hell that's going to work out. But uh, Bryce Jarvis is up. Slade Ciccone is up. So there's a good chance that both of those games are kind of pseudo opener games and maybe not a full on starting pitcher, but we could very much see back to back uh, recent call ups against the Rockies and Slade Ciccone and, uh, and, and Bryce Jarvis. Do you feel like the uh, the Diamondbacks did enough at the trade deadline? I know I know the deal for Tommy Pham hasn't been working out necessarily as as well as they would have hoped for. It's still in the early going, but do you or do do Diamondbacks fans feel like they did enough? Made a couple moves. Uh, Paul Seawold was was nice <laughs> to get. I mean, they haven't had the opportunity to really use him uh, as much as they would like. Pham, okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they grabbed another bullpen arm somewhere they else. did they got they got jace peterson uh but they didn't get another bullpen arm so uh jace peterson is lucky right didn't they get chafing for Peter? yeah 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 she's lucky and she's lucky is uh is currently in the minor leagues uh right now so i think that they might possibly call upon him soon but really what it comes down to is paul seawald paul seawald was i think the the focal point uh, especially considering how inconsistent tori lavello's like closer by committee situation has been this this year it's been so bad that like not only has it not worked it's been like just historically bad like at times who lavalo put out there obviously he's trying to base it on you know the the batters coming up and and who you know trying to play favorable matchups and like that and it just seemed like nothing would work for this team as far as any kind of stability at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, and I, I mean that, that for me, for this trade deadline is something that uh, makes Paul Seawald like a sight for sore eyes. The Diamondbacks, I mean, they've, they've had their guys, they've had their Fernando Rodney's and they've had their Papa Grandes and stuff like that. I'm not going to act like they haven't had some fun closers or even some guys that put up some unbelievable numbers as far as the number of saves they got or, Matt you, know, Manti? Uh, not, you know, Matt Manti, the Iceman. I love Matt Manti. He was one of my favorites. Uh, but I mean, Paul Diamonds were able to secure, you know, getting a guy like him that isn't just a rental, but he'll be here next year as well. So it's somebody that could be a part of this team, uh, going forward and, and just once again, help the Diamondbacks find that, that solution for the back end of their bullpen that to be honest, Jesse wrote an article about it a while back. 
that they've never really had. Like it, they, I mean, again, you can pick out the few guys they've had here and there, but none of those guys were like, you know, staples of the team for a number of years that was just a, you know, successful reliever that came in at the back end and, and could shut games down outside of that. I really think that they missed on not making uh, a, a deal for a starting pitcher. Uh, their, their starting rotation right now is just absolutely a mess outside of Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. Brandon Fott seems like he is definitely on his way to being a viable back-end starter of the rotation. But outside of that, I mean, all their other guys right now are in the minor leagues. We're taking a look, like I said, at Bryce Jarvis and, and Slade Ciccone. And I, I don't really know, you know what the answer is right now for this team as far as that goes. Zach Davies is in Reno, and he is – uh, making his way back to the majors as well. So uh, he is another guy that we could potentially see in this series, but I think that's, I don't think he lines up right now to to start. I could be wrong about that though. Yeah. And that, that bullpen, you got two, technically two former, one Miguel Castro and oh, one I love, and a half, love Miguel Castro. One and a half is Scott McGuff because he was with the Albuquerque isotopes. That's right. In 2018 for that's right. going over to, to Asia and, doing his thing and coming back and being a brand new man. You would appreciate this. Uh, Luis Frias and Miguel Castro have a very similar look. They have very similar dreads and they're both very, very big dudes. And every time I see them, they're like friends. They hang out together, which makes it hard for me not to imagine them as a tag team together. And honestly, in my local promotion, I'd put the tag belts on them for a hundred years because those guys look like absolute stars when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, but Luis Frias has been a really pleasant surprise for the Diamondbacks lately. I think he's scoreless in like his last 10 outings. And this is a guy that really struggled with, with his control at one point in his career. He could throw like 103, 104 miles per hour kind of effortlessly, it seemed like, but couldn't hit the strike zone if his life depended on it. So uh, it feels like his control is there. His command is kind of there. And uh, he's he's been pretty effective for this team. But uh, Scott McGuff, Scott McGuff's been interesting, man. Scott McGuff has been a guy that for this team, I I, I think there's a lot of uh, there's there there's a lot of division on the the fans of Scott McGuff because he has really been good for stretches for this team, and then he has just some horrific uh, losses as uh, you know coming into like a save opportunity. He just. Out to you. And again, it's one of those situations where the few blown saves are far more memorable than uh, the the amount of good work that he did for this team. It's people people have a selective memory, but it's understandable because some of those heartbreaking losses they just stick with you. They do. Oos, I appreciate you uh, being here uh, with <laughs> me. Go ahead, and plug away. Let folks know where you're at on on social media and all the great PHNX deep. PHNX Diamondbacks coverage you guys got? Uh, no, the most important thing is I am a commissioner for a pro wrestling uh, uh, federation here in Arizona, and that's really what I want to plug here. Uh, no, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at cap underscore caveman with a K. Uh, follow us over at PHNX underscore D-backs. Uh, we love you Rockies fans, and we understand the pain that you're going through right now with your team. So we are here for you just in case uh, you need another team to root for. I know you don't want to root for a National League West you know, uh, you know, opponent, I get that arrival, but just if things start to get, you know, close here down the stretch and you have nothing else to root for, uh, root for your fellow purple brothers over here. Uh, but again, PHNX underscore D backs, find us on Twitter at PHNX, uh, underscore sports and everywhere, uh, at PHNX. So make sure just to check us out.
You will be satisfied if you follow them. And you want to keep tabs on the NL West. You will say to yourself, yeah. Yeah. Love Derek, homie, from back in the day. Man, he, he had a beer earlier on. I'm pretty sure it was a Breck Brew Mountain Beach Sour because, look, it's, it's a Colorado company that loves using Colorado ingredients. And they're the official beer, of course, of, of DNVR. The Mountain Beach Sour, that's the beer of the month. There's quenching sour. It's a vacation in a can, as we call it, or a party in a pint if you're down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. But it's made with 100% renewable energy. Uh, and in, again, entirely with those Colorado ingredients, which you love. Go to breckbrew.com to find out where you can get the Mountain Beach Sour or any other the wonderful Breck Brew products at breckbrew.com. Find out where you can get it near you. You can also make sure you go over to Game Time to get your tickets. I was actually looking at uh, some of the prices for Rockies games the rest of the year, and they're they're cheaper. Some of them are a lot cheaper than the face value, so you can go ahead take advantage of that over on Game Time Tickets, a site that I've used long before they became a partner here with us at DNVR. They're they're amazing. You know, you can go ahead and and keep an eye on an event, especially if you're in the area and you're not sure if you're on the fence about whether or not you you're going to go to it or not because closer to the start of the event, those prices start to come down and you notice that. And then if it, if it hits that that mark, if it hits that number that you've got in your head of hey, I, I would pay this much to go to this event, you know, below face value up to 60% below face value, boom, you can go right in there, snipe it, grab those tickets, go to the event, super cheap. It's amazing. And even if you don't want to do that, or even if you are going to do that, either way, use promo code DNVR because you're going to save $20 off that first purchase, that first purchase when you use game time tickets. Talk about the Diamondback series here in just a second. But according to Jeff Passan there on Twitter, the Tampa Bay Rays have placed shortstop Wander Franco on the restricted list, which takes him off the roster and is in most cases unpaid an MLB official tells ESPN the league has launched an investigation into social media posts about Franco from Sunday End tweet. I will just leave it at that. We do have Carson uh, rather not Carson Kelly. He's not a pitcher, nor is he even on the diamondbacks anymore. No Merrill Kelly has been officially named the starter for today's game. That bodes well for guys like Ryan McMahon, who does have two homers in his career against Merrill Kelly, uh, Elias Montero. Hey, two for three also has a homer in his career. So those are really good numbers. Brennan Rogers batting over 300 Tovar's one for two against him. So, uh, expect those guys to, to possibly be in the lineup today at the ballpark. You're also going to notice probably if you head over to MLBpipeline.com that there is a new top 100, a midseason new top 100, uh, as well as new rankings for the Rockies farm system and all 30 MLB teams in that top 100 list all the way to the top of the pile. Adiel Amador followed up his fantastic season with Loe Fresno with some really great play in Spokane. He's been banged up, unfortunately, uh, as of recent, but number 21, 21 best prospect in all of the game is with your Colorado Rockies. Number 54, Yankee L. Fernandez, huge year in Spokane, playing pretty well. There with uh, the double-A Hartford Yard Goats making that jump. That's the hardest jump in the minor leagues to go from high A to double-A. Number 64 in MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects. New right-handed pitcher Chase Dollander just selected from the University of Tennessee uh, just this past summer. Looking forward to seeing him in action. 89, Jordan Beck, who similar trajectory as Yankee Fernandez where 
jumps right into double A and starts to mash, probably I would say even a little bit better than Fernandez has been doing so far. Beck, another player from the 2022 MLB draft class that is rising quickly through the uh, Rockies minor league system. And then number 100, still sticking around, Zach Veen. Might end up falling off the list at the beginning of next year, only because of so much time that was missed. But uh, if he does get a chance to play in some winter league action, maybe he's able to stick around. Regardless, he's with he's in that 100 range, no matter what happens. Stories of the week for the Rockies: they got to go 18 and 26 the rest of the way if they are going to win 63 games and avoid 100 losses. To go 18 and 26, that's a 409 winning percentage. We, I bring that up because we did talk about that on Sunday's show, where you can mark the tape. Susie and I both made our predictions. Go back and check out that episode from Sunday where we recap the Dodgers series. Have a little bit of fun there. I talk about the weird, wild, and wonderful, but we give our predictions as to whether or not they're going to lose 100 games. So Rockies have to go 18 and 26 to avoid that. It's possible, despite the fact that they do have the toughest schedule remaining in all of baseball. Now, right now, they are 25 and 30 at home this season. That's a 455 winning percentages, uh, winning percentage. That is uh, pretty good. It's near 500, right? Believe it or not, it is uh, the fifth worst season at home for the Rockies. They've only had four seasons worse than that, and they're still right around 500. So if they actually end up playing 500 the rest of the way, that gives them a 469 winning percentage. They're 38 and 43, so they're still five games under 500 at home. That would still be a tie for the sixth worst home field advantage, home winning percentage for the Rockies in a season. So again, Still very doable based on the teams that they are playing against. Somewhat unlikely, but again, just playing 500 ball is what the Rockies do when they're at home. So if they happen to do that, they go 13 and 13 with their final 26 home games. That means they only need to win five games on the road. That's it. Five and 13. That's a 277 winning percentage. That's pretty much what they played when they're on the road for 10 games. They were three and seven. They won three out of 10. That's a 300 winning percentage. I know the numbers are getting bogged down, but the numbers suggest that the Rockies just play well at home. They can go ahead and do that. Now they still have three road trips uh, remaining six series. Will they go? Oh, and six against Tampa and Baltimore on the road. It's possible six times. They've gone. Oh, and six on a road trip. And once they even went. Oh, and seven on the road. Wrigley. Chase Field, Petco Park against San Diego. Tall order on the road, but they can come away in just those three series against the Cubs, Diamondbacks, and Padres. That could just be five wins right there. It's not a ton, but you could have five wins in and amongst that group. So what's more likely, the Rockies crash to 100 losses or the Diamondbacks collapse continues? Well, Arizona has a relatively average strength of schedule ahead of them, but Cubs have the easiest schedule in the national league coming up. Yeah, of course that does include six against the Rockies, San Diego and Cincy. They've got it pretty easy as well. Marlins and giants have it rough. So I think there's a chance both those things happen. I think the Diamondbacks will probably miss the postseason, and the Rockies probably will. The numbers still are pointing to the fact that they're going to lose hundred games. I'm not convinced of it yet. I'm not officially going on record to say that they're going to lose hundred games. Uh, I made plenty of comments on Sunday. Go back and listen to how I feel about whether or not they win it. Uh, they, they lose a hundred or not. Does it matter? Is that important? I think it is, 
but will they lose 98 or 99? I think there's a chance that they could uh, they could avoid it. Whether or not it's good for the franchise is a completely different conversation that we talked about on Sunday. As Patrick Saunders pointed out, 48 strikeouts to only two walks during the four games in Los Angeles. It has to be better than that. It wasn't any better for Alan Trejo because, look, he had a wonderful time in L.A. going back home, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, hitting that home run to tie it 3-3 giving the Rockies some opportunity, but more importantly for Trejo hits a home run against his team, Mexico, former team, Mexico teammate in Julio Urias and being there on Saturday for the retirement ceremony for number 34, Fernando Valenzuela, a guy who means so much to the Dodgers organization, a guy who's not in the hall of fame. And frankly, I don't know if he ever will get in. His numbers just aren't there. Uh, maybe in 50 years, if they really start to look at some of the intangibles, for players and, and what they meant for, you know, various countries, various nations, uh, different people, what they did off the field. Yes, those things might put Fernando Valenzuela in the Hall of Fame. But just as a player, Fernando Valenzuela was not a Hall of Famer, but he was to the Dodgers, a franchise Hall of Famer. And so they, of course, award him uh, by retiring his number 34, which is very much what they should do uh, and something that the Rockies should probably think about doing a little bit more with some of their legends from the past or even having a Rockies Hall of Fame. It's something that uh, I've talked about plenty before in the past. and I know plenty of people want to see just more than what's up in the club level and just what's in the lobby of McGregor Square. A proper Rockies Hall of Fame would do wonders. Maybe that's what's in store. Maybe that's what part of this 30th anniversary celebration is going to be about. Are they going to just happen to open up a floor of McGregor Square and then all of a sudden, hey guys, guess what? We got a Hall of Fame. Look at all of these amazing artifacts. Look at the uh, uh, initial class, uh, Helton Walker, maybe just the Blake Street Bombers, whatever it is. So many great players have uh, played with the Rockies over these past 31 seasons. Is that coming? I wouldn't hold your breath, but uh, you certainly can hold your breath and you certainly can participate with us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons is where I can be found on Twitter. Of course, we're going to be covering this entire Diamondbacks series. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll welcome in the Chicago White Sox after that, and uh, we're going to have a, a good time. It's been a momentous show today. Unfortunately, you know what they say about momentum when it comes to baseball podcasts. It's that your momentum is only as good as your next show. So, of course, it's going to be a good one. We'll be back tomorrow in studio, Susie and I, at 1 p.m. right here on the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube.